Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Amen. I'm going to be doing week two here of Greater Than. Uh, When I was uh, 20 years old, I uh, interviewed, I was in an interview process for a job as a youth pastor. And as, as part of that process, they told me, put together your resume. Okay. So at 20, how many guys know at 20, you don't really have a resume, do you? 20, I didn't have a resume. So we're like trying to find, so I asked my father-in-law to help me put together a resume. I'm like, what, what are, so we're thinking back at everything that's ever happened in my life. Like, what could we put on this resume? You know, I started walking. Okay. What is that? Well, started a successful new enterprise. You know, let's put that on there. You know, I started to date okay? I date successful at foreign relations, okay? Uh, Anything, you know? And what happened is we came up with like five pages of a resume at this 20-year-old who had no resume whatsoever. So it made me look really good, a whole lot better than I actually was. Now, when it comes to life, what, when you're looking at your life, what do you think is some of the most important things that you could have in your life? Not necessarily on a resume, but with you to be successful in life. I'm going to talk about something today that really doesn't get talked about too much. Uh, but I believe, I would contend that this thing that you need more than anything else is this thing called the anointing. How many of you guys have ever heard of the anointing before? Okay. Uh, the anointing. What, what is the anointing? Well, we've talked a lot about Saul and David recently. You know, Saul, when he was, I mean, he had a great external resume. The, the Bible says that he was head and shoulders above everyone else. He looked like a king. And so he was a natural fit to be a king. When God said, I want to find a king, they look at the external resume and they found Saul. They said, this guy has a great resume, but his internal resume wasn't so great. And here comes the prophet. The prophet anoints him with oil. And all of a sudden he could do some things that he couldn't do before. All of a sudden, Saul, King Saul, even though he had a great external resume, now with the anointing, he started to prophesy, the Bible said. So all of a sudden, he had this brand new authority and power on on his life whenever he was anointed. David, on the other hand, had a horrible external resume. He was the youngest. He was not supposed to be, he would be the guy that would be picked last when you're picking teams. I mean, he was the youngest. He was out in the field. He had a horrible external resume, but how many of you guys know his internal resume was pretty good? And so when he got anointed, all of a sudden, years later, he gets anointed uh, to be king, even though it didn't happen for a while. All of a sudden, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and now he had the courage to be able to go out, even though he was the youngest of, the, of his house, he had the courage to go out and to fight giants. So what was the difference? It didn't matter if you had a, a, a good external resume, or a bad external resume, or a good internal resume, or a bad internal resume. What was the difference in both lives? It was what? the anointing. Whenever this thing, the anointing happens, so we could say it this way, the anointing is greater than your ability. Or I could put it this way, the anointing, when you get the anointing, it's greater than your resume. Whatever you have as a resume, when you get the anointing on it, all of a sudden everything changes. The anointing is better than anything. The anointing makes you look way better than what you are whenever you have the anointing on your life. So I could say it this way, you don't have to be qualified All you need to be is anointed because God fills in any lack of qualifications that we have whenever he anoints us to do what he's called us to do. Now, growing up, I grew up in a Pentecostal charismatic type environment, and I would hear about this word anointing all the time. We would hear, oh, that preacher just came in and and they are an anointed preacher. 
or that, that message was a very anointed message. And for me, I grew up hearing that word all the time, this being anointed, and it kind of had this mysteriousness about it. How many of you guys would just uh, admit that you maybe have never really heard much teaching about the anointing? Anybody? Anybody? All right. So talking to a few people here. Uh, so all of those of you guys who didn't raise your hand, I'm going to have you come up at this time, and you're going to tell us all what the anointing is and what it's all about. I'm going to give you uh, what I believe the Bible talks about as anointing and how it can apply to our life and going to try to hit this topic today. So here we go. Here's what the anointing, how it started. From ancient times, uh, prophets and priests and kings would all be anointed and they would take oil, which would represent this authority and power and, and the presence of God, and they'd have it poured upon them. And whenever they would, I mean, this happened to King Saul, this happened to King David, to every king down through the age all the way until it got to Jesus. Jesus Christ. Now, you guys know that Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Christ is actually a title for the Messiah, the anointed one. You realize that Jesus was anointed? Uh, in fact, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it tells us this. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And when he was anointed, here's what happens. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, anytime uh, in the ancient times, whenever someone would be anointed, what would happen is they would have to have someone who had more authority or more power or more anointing than they did to come and anoint them. So it was always a prophet or, or someone of great significance that would anoint the next person. So here Jesus is anointed. What, what could, who could anoint Jesus? So Jesus, you know, being God in the flesh, God anointed himself with himself because there was nothing greater. There is nothing greater. So God anoints himself, and as a result of that, Jesus had the anointing so that he could do this. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So God's power and presence resided in the anointing. How many of you guys could use some anointing on your life? Amen? Let me give you my definition of what, uh, the best I can for the anointing, and it's this. The anointing is simply the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has assigned you to do. Amen. Whatever that is, whatever God has assigned you to do, the anointing, when you are walking in the anointing, or you have an anointing on your life, it's the power to do what God has assigned you to do. And, and how many of you guys are glad, here's the good news, God has anointed us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, it says, it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his, his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Also, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. I want you to get this this morning that you have been anointed. Just imagine the prophet Samuel. Just get a picture of, some, you know, of God coming with his anointing oil and just pouring his anointing all over you. How many of you guys know that if that happens to you, you uh, we sing that song that with God, he's unstoppable. How many of you guys believe that you could be unstoppable with the anointing? So the anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, okay, if, well, if I've been anointed, then why don't I feel like anointed? Why don't I feel like I have the power and the presence of God with me? Why do I not feel like I have the power and presence to do what God has assigned me to do? Let me give you three things this morning that I want to just, just suggest might be a reason why we don't feel the anointing. Number one is this. You may not, not be putting a demand on the anointing. 
You may not be putting a demand on the anointing. In other words, with the anointing comes an assignment. And when you have an assignment, if it, the anointing is not just there to make you feel good. It's there for you to do something. The anointing is not, and so you may be saying, I don't feel anointed. Well, what are you doing that requires the anointing? What are you doing in your life that requires the power and presence of God? See, the anointing is not there for you to feel something. It's there for you to do something. With the anointing comes an assignment, and with an assignment then comes the ability. See, just because something is available doesn't mean that you're accessing what's available, right? I mean, if the door is unlocked, but you're not opening the door, it can be accessible to you, but you're not accessing it. So the anointing is something God wants us to walk in. Now, uh, you can have everything, access to all these things and not be walking in. I heard a story about this homeless guy that was actually an heir to millions and millions of dollars. Uh, he was this, there was this reclusive person in New York who didn't uh, leave it directly to her family, but left it to this long lost relative. And he was going to get something like $19 million. How many of you guys would like that inheritance, right? $19 million. But the problem was he didn't know that he was a millionaire. And so they try to find this homeless guy, and they're searching all over the place. They can't find him. Here he is, a millionaire, but living homeless. Finally, they found him. He was frozen dead under a bridge. Yeah. And, and this whole time, he was a millionaire, and he had access to it, but he never accessed it. Now, I'm just saying that's a picture of what we are like sometimes as believers. We have access to everything, all the riches of God. We have access to all the power of God. And even though we have access to it, it doesn't mean we're accessing it. It doesn't mean, just because it's available, doesn't mean we're walking in it. And so the anointing is not there for you to feel something, but to do something. Now, how many of you guys know that you get all of the Holy Spirit when you get saved? Why? Because you get God. How many of you guys know? You get the Trinity. You get God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You get all of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. But the problem is this. You don't get all of the Holy Spirit at salvation. Let me give you an example. See, I, on my wedding day, June 22nd, 1996, I got all of my wife, Becca, right? I got, we got the contract, we got it signed, we got it all. And so I had everything. I mean, we are each other's at that moment, almost 21 years ago. But how many of you guys know here, 21, almost 21 years later, I didn't get all of Becca at the wedding. You know, there's a lot of things that I've learned since then. There's a lot of experiences, right? The same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. You get access to the Holy Spirit, but how many of you guys know when you start to walk things out, all of a sudden there's more layers of the Holy Spirit. Even though you got all of God when you got saved, you didn't get all of God when you got saved. There's more for us to walk in when we get saved. The anointing is not there for you to feel something, but to do something. And if you never put the anointing to the test, put a demand on the anointing, you'll never know the rest. You'll never know the rest of the story. You'll end up living your life, and you'll never know what could have happened. You'll never know. Uh, years ago, uh, I wanted to go and buy a new car, and so I started test driving these, these Mustangs, these Ford Mustangs. And I went, and I went to the dealership, and I was like, okay, what do you got on site? You know, we got this one, we got this one. Okay, we got this V8, like supercharged, whatever Mustang. I was like, I'll test drive that one. Let's do that. And so I got in this thing, I started driving that, and we're going along pretty good for a while. And then I hit the gas all the way to the floor. And just in a matter of seconds, I was like going 80, 90 miles per hour. It was a blast. I took it back to the dealer. I said, take this away from me. I will be put in jail if I keep one of these. <laughs> See, but I would, you know, I had to put the pedal to the metal to access what was possible. And just because you have 
it available to you does not mean that you are walking in it. If you're, I could say it this way. If you're not serving God, you don't need the anointing. If you're not doing something, you don't need the anointing. How can, we, how can the Holy Spirit help us in our weakness if we're always managing our life back down to what we can handle in our own strength? How can we walk by faith if we're only walking into opportunities that only require our sight? We have to put a demand on the anointing and to step out before you even need it. So you may not feel the anointing because you're not putting yourself in a position where it's required. The second thing is this. You may be trying to live outside of your anointing. You see, just because the anointing is greater than anything, it doesn't mean that with the anointing you get to do anything. God has a specific anointing for you to walk in. Remember the definition. It's, it's simply the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has assigned you to do. Not, not your neighbor, not, not your, your coworker, but what God has assigned you to do. The anointing is greater than anything, but that doesn't mean that anything you get to do is anointed. And so many of us are walking outside of our anointing. And because of that, there's friction and there's struggle and there's, there's turmoil. King Saul did this exact same thing. 1 Samuel chapter 13, he's, he's already been king. Uh, he, he's waiting for, for Samuel the prophet to come and to offer a sacrifice. Now, in those days, the priests and the prophets were the ones that offered sacrifice, okay? But in, in uh, King Saul, all of a sudden he thought, well, hey, I'm king. I can do whatever. He's tired of waiting. And so in verse 8 of chapter 13, it says, he waited seven days. This is King Saul, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul says, bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, he was not supposed to do this. And as soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and, and Saul went out to meet him and to greet him. And Samuel says, what have you done? And, and Saul's like, well, hey, you didn't come. I'm the king. I can do whatever. And, and Samuel says, no. No, that's not how it works. Verse 13, and Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom of Israel forever. He says, listen, if you would not have done this, God would have left you as the king and your family. Instead, it's going to be taken from you. Your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Here's the deal. Saul promoted himself beyond his anointing. He promoted himself outside the limits of his anointing. Just because he was king, it didn't mean that he gets to do anything. How many times do we think, well, I, I can do whatever I want because I'm, I'm serving God or whatever. It looks good. And many times we promote ourselves outside of the sphere of our anointing. And we wonder why we don't have the presence and the power of God seemingly at the wind at our back. Don't covet someone else's anointing. How many, how many of us are guilty of this? At times we look at somebody, we say, man, they're doing great. Man, I'd love to be doing what they're doing. Man, they got this house or those kids or that ministry or that whatever. I'd love to be doing that. That looks good. And we end up operating in our own strength. Now, how many of you guys have a garden? Anybody have a garden? How many of you guys have ever run a tiller before? Anybody? Okay. I had a couple years ago, I borrowed a front tine tiller. Now, if you don't know, now, those of you guys who have ran tillers, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I had a front tine tiller. Now, I have a garden that's 50 by 80. 
It's a big garden, okay? So I'm using a front-time tiller, and it was a chore. It was work. I'm working. I'm pushing this thing, trying to get it through the ground. And so finally, I'm like, forget that. I borrowed a rear-time tiller, and then I finally bought a rear-time tiller myself. It's like just a, a, you know, I mean, souped up whatever, you know? And I'm like, I just go through the ground like, like nothing. You can actually take, I can take my hand on the tiller, walk beside it, and it'll just eat through the ground as I'm walking. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so it's really easy. Now, the, the problem happened as I was tilling this last week. I, I was going through, I got about halfway through tilling my garden, and pretty soon I started to know this isn't easy, this isn't easy anymore. Why is this not easy? I'm sweating. My back is hurting. I'm like, what's going on? And I, and I suddenly realized, it took me a while to realize this, that the handle had slipped. Some little screw had slipped, and the handle was on the ground almost. And so I'm walking, and I hadn't even noticed it. But all of a sudden, I noticed my pain, and I'm like sweating. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. What's going on? And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking. I've got a lot left to do, and I'm like, I noticed what the problem is, but I don't want to stop and fix it. How many of you guys have ever been there before? I don't want to stop and fix it. I don't want to have to stop it and start it back up and try to figure it out. I just want to get the job done. And so I'm sitting there suffering to finish the rest of the garden until finally the, the, it ran out of gas, and I had to stop and fix it. And I finally fixed it, and it was a breeze the rest of the way. Now, here's what I want you to see there. That little tiller illustration is, is a great picture of the anointing. The tiller is, is, whenever you're in the anointing, it's easy. You don't have to do a lot of work when the anointing's with you because it's the power of God. But what happens in our life, little by little, and it began to slip little by little, and little by little, I began to operate in my own strength a little bit more outside the anointing outside the power of the tiller. And before long, I was suffering. And I was hurting because I was doing most of it in my own strength. But what happened? I look and I said, there's a lot of work to be done. I just want to get it done. And so I'll just keep going in my own strength. And in our life, that's exactly what we do until we run out of gas and we have to fix it. See, God wants us to live in our anointing, and when the anointing, you're in the anointing, it should be somewhat effortless because it's empowered by God. Now, there's this uh, uh, principle that I heard about in leadership. It's called the Peter Principle, and it was some guy wrote a book about it in the 60s or something, and basically the, the idea is this, that every person is promoted to his or her level of incompetence. So here's how it works, and, and it's, it's because of either because of ambition or vacancy. So what happens? If you are working in a cubicle at a computer or whatever, and you end up being the star player, you are the star player, you are the best one at the cubicle, whatever it is you're doing, man, you are the top one. Then all of a sudden what happens? There's a vacancy, and now we need a manager. Well, look, this is the best person in the cubicle. Let's make them the manager. Then they get promoted to manager, and what? They're a horrible manager. They were great in the cubicle, but horrible as a manager. How many of you guys have ever experienced that before, right? Or what happens is, is that through your own ambition, you say, I'm great at the cubicle thing, but what I really want is a little bit more money, and I want a little bit more power. And so by your ambition, even though you're not gifted or qualified for that, you get promoted or moved into a position, and it, and it ends up being your incompetence level. Now, how many of you guys know that God never promotes us into incompetence? He doesn't do that. So what happens is you have a, a lay pastor who's really good or a lay person in the church who's really good maybe at delivering a message from time to time or, or bringing caring words, and then all of a sudden there's a need for a pastor, so they become a pastor, and then pretty soon they, they are horrible at a pastor. What would we say? They're not, that's not their anointing. 
Or you have a, a good musician and a good singer, and they're great at singing, and they're great at, as a musician, but they, they get promoted. We need a worship leader. So you get promoted as a worship leader, but they don't have a pastor's heart as a worship pastor, and pretty soon they're, they're great at mu- being a musician, but now they're incompetent at leading at this level. Have you guys ever seen this before? God never promotes us into that. What happens is they were all, and we've all experienced this, where we end up operating outside of our anointing. And whenever you operate outside of your anointing, you get frustration, you get incompetence, you get, you get upset. I mean, that's what happens when we live outside of the anointing. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, this is a picture of the body of Christ. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Will we accept the anointing God has for us? Will we accept our sphere of influence? Will we accept the lane that God has for us? Or will we promote ourselves through ambition or vacancy into a place that's outside of our gifting and anointing, that's outside of our calling? Paul understood this. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he said, but we will not boast beyond our limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence that God assigned to us. He's talking about, I've been anointed to do this thing. Now here we're talking about the apostle Paul. He wrote a a lot of the New Testament. He had the skills and the, the gifting to do a lot of things. And yet even he says, I've got a certain level, a certain sphere of influence I can operate in. And whenever I get out of that, I'm outside the anointing. Every single one of us has an anointing that God has given to us. And and Paul decided, I'm going to be at ease with my anointing. Here's the question. Can you be at ease with your anointing? Or do we need to promote ourselves through our own ambition to move into areas that God never called us to go into? I heard this quote this week. It's this. The anointing is what comes easily. Your actual anointing is in easy operation when you function in it without fatigue. Doesn't that kind of go contrary to what most of us think? We think that if I'm going to be doing stuff for God, it's going to be hard. It's going to be... Now, there is hard work a lot of times. There's a lot of times where we have to put in the hard work, the blood, sweat, and tears into what God has called us to do, no doubt. But there's a difference between God stretching us and us forcing something, Amen. There's a big difference. God will stretch us in our calling, but if you are forcing yourself into a wrong position or into a wrong place, that's when you are operating outside of your grace zone. And and the problem is we we look at other people and we say, man, I really love what they're doing, or everybody should be doing what they're doing, I should be doing what they're doing, they got a great house, great kids, whatever. Think about if the people in the Bible did that. They said, well, the anointing is one thing. And if I'm going to follow them and I'm going to have the anointing, I'm going to do what they did. We would have very little of the Bible because everybody would have stopped and just done the same thing. Think about this. Enoch walked with God. And Enoch walked with God. And he had an anointing on his life to walk with God. And the Bible says he was no more. God took Enoch. Imagine if Noah would have said, well, I want to walk with God. And he started to walk with God. And he said, well, what happens when you walk with God is that God takes you. And so I'm walking with God, so God's going to take me. But then all of a sudden, God comes and he says, Noah, build a boat because I want you to stick around for a while. And imagine if he would have said, nope, here's what it looks like to walk with God. God takes you. That can't be the voice of God for my life. And and then imagine if uh, Abraham comes along 
And Abraham says, hey, I want to walk with God like Noah. And, and, and so I guess if I want to walk with God, i got to build a boat. And so I'll start building the boat. Instead, God wanted him to take a hike. <laughs> he said, go on a journey. This is your calling. Imagine if Moses would have looked at Abraham and said, well, Abraham was very, very wealthy. I guess if I want to walk with God, i got to be very, very wealthy. Instead, God called Moses to go out into the wilderness. You guys see what I'm saying? That if we want to walk in anointing, it's going to be a grace lane that God has for you and I. It doesn't mean it's not going to be a hard work, but it does mean whenever you're functioning in your anointing, your assignment, there will be almost an ease to it. And if you don't feel an ease in the anointing, I would suggest go let, just start to explore that idea because God won't promote us into incompetence. God gives us our grace to run in. Grace actually is God's ability working in us. And if it's, it, there's a scripture, I don't have it on my notes right now, but there's a scripture where it says that grace actually worked. So many of us are trying to work for grace, but grace works in us. And if grace is working in us, who's doing the work? There's going to be an ease with our anointing. In fact, Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 in the New King James hints that the, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, right? Haven't you guys have ever heard that? It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Let me put it this way. If you feel a yoke, it's not the anointing. If you feel a heaviness, again, I'm not talking about you got to work hard sometimes. I'm, I'm saying if you feel a yoke or a burden, it is not the anointing that you're functioning in. One of the best ways to recognize the anointing is that it's when your gift functions easily. It's when there, it, there's, it's natural. It's, you're not working things up to try to get into the anointing. The anointing is God's empowerment on your life. And if we are functioning outside of our anointing, we're not going to feel the wind of God's power at our back. Number three, reason why we might not feel the anointing, it's because you may be living on yesterday's anointing. You may be living on yesterday's anointing. See, it could be said that King Saul had the crown but lost the anointing. Do you realize that at that moment when he offered the sacrifice, God says, I'm rejecting you as king now because you've done this, because you think you can operate outside the anointing. I'm rejecting you as king. He was still king. Do you realize even after God rejected him that King Saul could still prophesy? Why? Because the anointing from yesterday was still had enough momentum to carry him into today. Listen, guys, just because there's gifts functioning in our life and things are working, it does not mean we're operating in today's anointing. It could be the momentum of yesterday that we are still living in. That's how come you can have people who are greatly used by God and there be horrible things going on in their life. It's because it's not a today anointing. It's because of yesterday's anointing. Do you realize that King Saul was still the king after God rejected him for 20 years? And he was functioning off of yesterday's anointing. Yesterday's anointing. Yesterday's gifts and mo can have a momentum that carries it in to today. Now, there's a story in the Bible that many of you guys are familiar with. It's, it's Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary, Jesus is, is 12 years old, and they go to, to town to have this big feast, this big festival, and they all are in one big group, and they all kind of leave. Now, here's the interesting thing. Let, let me read it in Luke chapter 2, verse 43 through 46. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't know it. 
But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Listen, Joseph and Mary went on assuming that Jesus was with them. The anointed one. Joseph and Mary, can you see the parallel? Joseph and Mary went on assuming the anointing was with them for days. How long have we gone on assuming that we have the anointing with us? Where did we leave it? We need to go back and find it. The power and presence of God are residing in the anointing, and we need it more than anything else. Uh, I had not really a vision years ago, but I have you guys are familiar with that uh, footprints in the sand uh, poem thing, you know, where I, you know, I see two footprints in the sand and then there was just one. And I don't know, is this how it goes? Like where God was carrying me or whatever it was. I don't even really know it. Um, but I saw this scene happen in my head as I closed my eyes. I saw this scene and I saw the sand and I saw the two sets of footprints. And then I saw just one and I was like, oh, okay, God, you're carrying me. And God says, no, you walked on without me. (laughs) And it was a convicting moment. How many times have we walked on without the anointed one, without the anointing on our life? We don't feel the anointing. We kind of look like we have the anointing. How many of you guys have ever looked at your life and you're like, my life is still functioning. It looks like it's because we're surviving off the momentum of yesterday's anointed. Anointing. You realize that churches get planted a lot of times without the anointing, the purpose, it just seems like a good idea. And, and then because of that, they end up failing. The stats are, are something like eight and 10 churches, church plants fail. Why? Because somewhere they left the anointing somewhere. May that never be us as a church, that we walk on without the anointing, without the purpose and the power of God. There's an Episcopal priest in, in America who said this. He said, if the Holy Spirit were taken completely from the church, of the work of the church would go right on as if nothing had happened. Now let me ask that about our lives. If the Holy Spirit were taken from our lives, how much of our lives would go right on as if nothing had happened? And yet it's too familiar because we are walking without the anointed one many, many times. Yesterday's anointing has a momentum, and we're living off of that instead of today. How many guys are so thankful, though? Here's the good news. Even if you screw things up, even if you mess things up, that God can still use you in, in spite of your mess. How many of you guys are so thankful for that? That God can still use you in spite of, even when you're in a mess, God will use you. That's the good news. Now, here's the bad news. God will still use you in spite of your mess. And you look at your life and you say, well, I'm being used by God, but I'm off of yesterday's anointing. And we're walking on without the power of God. Now, what's the solution? Let me just wrap it up and kind of focus back to the solution. The solution is this. We need to live out of the well, not the pool. Let me explain that. Explain it. John chapter 7, verse 37. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up. He cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, when you look at this story on the surface, it's like, okay, well, what's going on there? You know, okay, Jesus is making a statement about the Holy Spirit. No, what happened at this feast is they would, uh, this was like seven, eight-day feast, and every morning of the feast, one of the priests 
would come and go down to the pool of, of Siloam and take a golden pitcher and dip water out of it and begin to make his way up to the top of the temple. And as they would walk up to the top of the temple, they would sing psalms of ascent that David wrote. They would sing those psalms. We sing that, uh, that ascension song today. They would sing these songs until they got to the top, and then they would pour out the water, and it was a symbol of the future of the Holy Spirit. Now, as they were doing this, Jesus interrupts it, and he says, guys, this whole thing you've been doing forever, it's all about me. Instead of doing this whole thing, come to me and drink. And if you come to me, you won't ever have to go and dip again to get more water in the morning. What, what was he saying? He was saying, I'm what this is all about. The Holy Spirit, if you come to me, the Holy Spirit is going to flow out of these things. Now, if you have a pool, how many of you guys know if you live off the grid or something like that and you have a cistern, what are you doing? You collect rainwater and then you, you collect as much as you need for baths or for showers or for, for drinking water, whatever it is. But if you run out, if, it's a, if there's a drought, how many of you guys know that the, the pool runs dry, doesn't it? And so if you don't have enough stored somewhere else, you're going to run dry. Now, here's what happens for all of us. Many times we're living out of the pool. What's the pool? It's external circumstances. We might come to church and hear a word like this, and we kind of get filled up a little bit. And then we walk out, but then by the midweek, the rain has stopped, and it's run dry in our life. Or we go to a connect group, and we get all fired up because somebody encourages us, or we have a word for somebody or whatever, and then what happens a couple days later, the well runs dry. Or, or, or maybe just a good thing, you get good news in your life, and you're happy about the good news, but then the rain stops and the well runs dry. You, you make a big purchase, and you're all excited about it, but how many of you guys know the next day you have buyer's remorse because the wells run dry? Because the pool, it's evaporated. But how many of you guys know if you go to a real well, if you go to a real well and you dig a deep hole in the ground and you tap into an underground stream where there's fresh, crisp water, how many of you guys know it's not dependent upon the rain externally? It's all dependent on what's happening underneath. And Jesus is painting a picture here. He's saying, if you, you won't have to keep going to the pool if you come to me because you'll have a well on the inside that will never run dry. And so we've got to stop living out of the pool and start living out of the well because the pool is the wrong source. How many of you guys have ever got something from the wrong source before? You, you lived a relationship out of the wrong source. You, you spent your money because you were listening to a wrong source. I heard this story a long time ago about a guy who uh, wanted to steal some gasoline, and so he was going to go siphon it. So he got a hose, and have you guys know that, you know, you got to siphon a hose, you got to suck on the hose and get the gas to flow. And so he was going to do this. He snuck in to this place at night, and he, he's got his, his stuff, his gas can, and his, his hose, and he opens up the tank, and he sticks the thing in there. He starts to suck the, the uh, gasoline, or what he thought was gasoline, because he actually entered into an RV park, and he got the wrong tank of the RV, and it was the sewage that he was siphoning. So it's, it's true. It's a true story. So he's puking on the ground, making noise in the middle of the night. The owners of the RV get up. They call the police. Police show up. They end up not pressing charges because they're laughing so hard at this poor individual. How do you guys know? Wrong source. Wrong source. Now let me ask you, would it have helped him if he were to have a bunch of friends around him encouraging him. Keep going, buddy. Keep going. Would it have changed his outcome? No. Why? Because it's the wrong source. Would it have helped him if he would have had hired an expert and he had read books about how to siphon gas and what exact pipe to use and all that stuff? No, it wouldn't have helped him at all. Why? Wrong source. 
And yet how many times are we filling up our lives with people who are cheering us on, with, with experts in our lives that are all coaching us on how to live out of the wrong source? It will not change the results because it's still the wrong source. Listen, uh, how, do you do, how do you know what your source is? Does anybody want to know how do you know? How do I know what my source is? Am I wrong source or right source? Here it is. How you know what the wrong source is, what is coming out of your life? That tells you what you've been putting into your life. It's that simple. If you look at your life and out of it is not coming good things, it's the wrong source. But if you look at your life and out of it is coming the fruit of the Spirit, out of it is coming the gifts of the Spirit, out of it is coming the words from God, then you're plugged in to the right source. If you want to change the fruit, you got to change the root. we got to stop living out of the pool and start going back to the well and to lock in instead of in our own strength to find out what our appointed assignment is so that we can walk in our appointed anointing. There was a poll done not too long ago, and they did the, this poll about an, how much on average does the average pastor uh, spend time in prayer and personal devotions a day. You know what the number was? How, how long the average pastor does? Four minutes. Maybe that's part of the reason why we don't have a lot of move of God in our, in our churches like we would like sometimes. Martin Luther, he wrote in his journal one time, he said, I've got a really, I've got a very busy day today, so instead of praying for two hours, I need to pray for three. He was going to the source. He was going to the source. He was going to the well. He said, if I'm going to be surrounded by all these issues today, I've got to get the anointing, the power of God at my back. I've got to get the anointing powering me. Listen, it's not just church leaders who need a fresh anointing. You need a fresh anointing. I don't care if you're a housewife, you need an anointing to do what you're doing. If you're in business, you need an anointing on your life in business. You can't live off yesterday's anointing. You can't live outside of your anointing. You can't, you can't do that. Because what will happen? Fatigue, despair, that's, all those things happen. Friction. Man, we've all felt that, haven't we? We've all felt those times in our life. But the anointing, when the power of God is on you, doesn't mean there's not going to be work. It just means that there's an ease to the anointing. I want you guys to picture that anointing just flowing all over you and being filled up with the power of God, digging from that deep well that is the spirit that never runs dry. Listen, the only time that you are weak is when you move in your own strength. The only time you're weak is when you move in your own strength. We need the anointing now more than ever. The Holy Spirit empowering us to do what God has assigned us to do. Can you guys stand up with me as we get ready to close? I saw this this morning. Uh, and so we're just going to act on this for anybody who feels led. We're going to sing this song, and I want to invite you to come back to the well. I want to invite you to stop looking at the pool and come back to the well. Come back to your anointing. Come back to the right source this morning. And what I saw this morning as I was praying is that we just simply opened up the altars for anybody who would want to come and come back to the well. And it'll just be a place with you and God. It'll be an altar of sorts that you come to the well, you get refilled again. I remember as a kid, there were many times when I had these altar moments with God that marked who I am as I came down to the altar and I just spent a moment. There's nothing special about an altar, but there was something special about that appointed time. And as we sing this next song, 
I want to invite you to go back to the source and say, God, have I been living outside of my anointing? God, I want to come to those living waters that never run dry. Lord, we thank you for your power and your presence. We need it more than ever. Lord, I pray for that that, uh, anointing to just come all over this place right now. Lord, that it would just come as this appointed time. Lord, help us to slot into our anointing that you have for us, that appointment that you have for our lives. Lord, that we would step into your power and not our own strength. That we would not, not go from the pool, but we would go from the deep well of the crisp, cool waters of living water, that life, that abundant life that you supply, where things are, where, where it's not a yoke, but it's easy. That's what you said. You said, come to me, for my, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God. And no matter where we've been, we turn around and you're right there. No matter how far we've strayed, we turn around. And it's as if all those years, all that time is erased. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to come if you, if you will. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.